Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey friends, it's Derek. Welcome to Derek G Speaks Volumes. And this is a different one. This is a little catch up because I realized it's 40 episodes in. Insane. I've been doing this weekly. I haven't stopped. <laughs> Should I take a break? I will at some point, I think. Uh, the intention is not still just like forever and not take any breaks or anything like that. But I'm enjoying it and it's fun. But a lot has happened. Lots has been going on. And I thought maybe you'd be interested to catch up and hear a little bit about what's going on in my life and what's been happening all of this year and just kind of talking about all different things that include such things as what's going on in my life, stuff I've been listening to, stuff I've been up to from a content creation perspective, things I've been thinking about that maybe don't fit into a podcast, answering some of your questions as well, talking about the different events I've had on, and yeah, just keeping it loose. So, you know, if you want deep dive music analyses, you've got plenty of episodes to go through, but then this one is I don't know, is it a deep dive on me? Maybe. I hope you're well, first and foremost. Thank you all for listening. If I'm in your ears right now and you're hearing this, I appreciate you tremendously because, I don't know, as you follow along with my journey and the content creation that I make, I love doing the podcast. I find it really interesting. And when I meet people, people say, I love the podcast so much. And it always surprises me. I don't know why, but it always surprises me that you're interested in the musings that I have or other people have. It's fun to have different guests on. It's a lot to organize, uh, but I think it, the guests are really rewarding. I like all the different topics that I'm experimenting with. Sometimes I experiment with the length of the episodes, which I thank you for your patience on. I'm just trying to strike a balance of like, what is the most punchy and meaty versus what is something more conversational and just enjoyable to sit back and listen to. So the thought process is always different depending on the week, but I feel like we've got quite a bit of variety and hopefully I don't run out of topics to talk about, but I feel like I have tons. Is there enough for 40 minutes every single time? I guess that's the truth. Probably not. And sometimes so therefore it'll be 20 minutes. I've had one episode in particular that I won't mention because I'm still trying to work on that I've recorded, I think two or three times that I haven't been able to really get enough out of it but i feel like there's something there so sometimes there are vault podcasts as well so what's been going on with me well since my first podcast i think where i talked about my personal life i haven't really talked about it since obviously you know i'm married my kid is 18 months now which has been amazing and he's doing really well and happy and healthy and talking and walking and and is a ball of fun which i enjoy so much because you get to see him just like change every week and a half he's a different person which is so much fun and i mean that in a good way that he's a different person he just can do a lot more can communicate a lot more can emote and have you know different ways to show affection it's really nice and so it's been uh, difficult i would say because with a toddler and pushing out teeth all the time it's really difficult to manage that work making all the stuff that i do but 
you know, I chose this life and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's been, sometimes if you find me a little low energy, <laughs> that's probably why. My Yasi Salak episode that I did recently, the, the interview and conversation, I, after finished recording it, I thought it was a really bad episode. And then I listened back and I'm like, oh, it was good. I was just really tired. So I was talking, but I didn't know what my point was. So I was like, uh, yeah, so what the, and it was really painful. Luckily with the uh, magic of editing, I cut the vast majority of that, that out. I think I cut out 10, 15 minutes of me just trying to find the words in my mouth. I feel sorry for me because I don't, <laughs> I don't think I realized at the time that I was tired. So I just walked away going, that was a terrible episode. It was just me. Good one. Derek. Besides that, family's good. Wifey's good. Everything's great in that respect. I had a question. I asked you guys on Instagram to ask me some questions. So I'm going to kind of dovetail them in where they suit. Someone asked, how has music influenced my parenting? That's an interesting question because I don't know if like music, music has really influenced like how I parent. But I would say that music on the whole is very important for me to include in our lives because it's such an important part of my life it's we're always playing music and it's really interesting to see what a child naturally leans toward when I play something so you know simpler melodies things that are not too crazy something like Horse with No Name by America immediately he's just like into it just listens intently and enjoys it and there's something interesting about what connects with a child in that regard but i think just it's it's not a silent house put it that way he 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 gets exposed to a lot of different music but not because i'm trying to force him to enjoy music because i'm into it but because i listen to so much of it he'll come to my office and i'll be banging away with some sort of tune and he'll happily bop along as well so i, I don't know if it's influenced my parenting as much as it's just important that it's in the air because I like it and I think that he likes it too. What have I been up to? <laughs> One interesting thing is that uh, I've been, if you follow me on Instagram, I've been collecting CDs, which uh, is multifactorial. So one, I do feel this impending doom that owning our music is going to be harder and harder the further we go, get along in this streaming age. I don't, well, affordability-wise especially, I feel like we're not going to enjoy forever the uh, unlimited access to music. And at first, I, I think, really hit me when I experienced the Neil Young taking his music off Spotify thing where I'm like, hey, I listen to it all the time. Now I can't. What the hell? So I started to think about that. And CDs are really cheap, a lot cheaper than records. They're a lot smaller and a lot easier to store. I'm not someone that really cares about vinyl warmth. I've been thinking about that recently. I, I, it, it, records are cool, but it's not like I'm like, this brings a completely different sound. But also I've got this new, like in the last year or so thing that I like to collect CDs from the era of CDs personally you collect however you like but that's personally like i've got dark side of the moon on vinyl so when i came across this cd i'm like well it's a great record and perhaps in the past i'd want that on cd but i don't need it on cd because i've got it on record whereas like i bought up all the george michael collection because that's like peak cd era and i'm like that was made for a cd and i think that music that was in the cd era was made 
to be heard on CDs. And you can really tell that, I feel. It really sounds like the quality was designed for CD. So there you go. I've been, I've been enjoying that a lot and I've been like got my alerts on for people selling their CD collections. I want to collect more obscure like 90s collections, like dance music and things that you wouldn't find on streaming services rather than just collecting just the George Michael collection, but things that are really more representative of the time of the 90s and early 2000s and whatnot. So that's been fun for me. Let's talk about my favorite albums of the year so far. Now, if you know anything about me, I don't really think about things like that, but I think you might, I might be able to put you onto some things that you can enjoy after this podcast. And I say I don't think about things like that because I'm I'm never the fastest to pick something up and then listen to it and then rate it and then go, yep, this is my favorite album of the year. I think I used to be a lot more like that, but now I'm a lot more like, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. And is it my favorite album this year? Maybe not, maybe but my favorite album in three years time. So it's not, yeah, um, it's not going to be an exhaustive list. But this one's surprising because I haven't listened to it that much, but I find it really interesting. Um, Let's Start Here by Lil Yachty is really interesting because... When I first heard it, I'm like, this is just a not great uh, attempt at Dark Side of the Moon. But now I think that it is challenging the new generation of producers and artists to think outside the box of what trap is, what music is, and how you can push a genre forward by completely taking from a a place and an inspiration that it might not be associated with the genre. So I think that that album is kind of really, really cool and really brave. And I think that I really enjoy and admire little Yachty at this point. Laura Groves with Radio Red is a really beautiful album. If you heard on my Patreon radio show, I talked about her and that she is a, if you know, you know, London artist which is to say that not in a kind of gatekeepy way, but she doesn't seem to have connected with a mainstream audience, but has a beautiful album that has Sanfa on it, has a bunch of, you know, really talented backing singers on it and collaborators on it, but will go largely unknown and in obscurity and is worth your time because it's a lovely, lovely pop uh, electronic record, I guess. It's, I'm not great with genres, but... It's an ethereal level of like pop that is more like if she looks like she may be in her mid thirties, that kind of type vibe, a mature side of pop. I think Lucinda Chua's Yen is a really lovely record that came out on 4AD. I think from a mainstream, this is not breaking news, mainstream K-pop level. I think that New Jeans and their creative director and founder really hit it out of the park with their second EP, Get Up because it collaborated with Smurz and Erica DeCassia and producers that are bending the expectation of what K-pop is, which I very much admire as well. I liked uh, Raven by Kalela. It's just the, you know, the cover's cool. I think that Kalela always challenges you in terms of what R&B is, I think, if you call it that. Eve's Tumor Records really fun. Uh, fairly obvious stuff for me, I think. Anything beyond that, 
I would be saying, I'd be lying to say that I've gone so deep into like really, really, really obscure artists for you to check out. So those are some that I've enjoyed this year. Things that I've been thinking about lately. Let's talk about that. I have, being a music commentator, being a person that thinks a lot about music, I have found it really interesting to see how different generations perceive the music that you lived through. And I was trying to explain this to my wife, but I didn't do a very good job about it. So I'll try again explaining it to you. When you live through a artist putting out their music and discography, you are very much aware of their presence in culture, of their reputation, of what people thought of their last album, what the expectations were for the next album. And you are kind of, in a bad way, I would say, caught up in the kind of media commentary around an artist's trajectory and narrative. And so, for example, this is the example, actually, Radiohead. I wasn't like keenly, keenly a huge fan of them in the early 2000s. I probably came onto them in the late 2000s. But by that point, I was very much aware of the greatness of albums such as OK Computer, right? And that was, by, at that point, considered their greatest record and, you know, one of the greatest records of all time, which I adore and love. And then In Rainbows came out and it's like, yeah, this is cool. I like this. This is different. It's so different from their other work. I like it. But uh, collectively, I would say at the time, the fan base or critics or consumers were like, yes, it's great, but it's not as good as the other albums. And so I've enjoyed In Rainbows, but hadn't thought much about it since like it's just the Radiohead album I've enjoyed. Now, as you get older, I realize that people that are a lot younger than me, say 19, 18, will listen to the full discography of Radiohead and they look at it in some ways, in some ways more objectively, maybe they're influenced by people that recommend the best albums of all time, but they look at the totality of the discography, they can listen to it from end to end, and then they go, I like, I think In Rainbows is the best Radiohead album of all time. And it seems like more and more and more and more so, <laughs> the younger generations are defining In Rainbows as their peak. And it hurts my head a little because they're not wrong. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but it's interesting to see uh, people that didn't live through it see it from a lens that is more, like I said, with totality and then be able to pick out something that at the time wasn't considered their best work. And perhaps that's the truth. Perhaps that's where the truth is about where the generations that find it and pick it up and champion something without that context. Maybe context, maybe that is the truth. Maybe that is and look, it's all subjective. It's all opinion. Who cares, Derek? Who cares? I care. Uh, but maybe that is closer to the reality of maybe, maybe In Rainbows is their greatest album. And you, when, when one is too close to listen to the music at the time, it's hard to really judge that. And I think that if you're younger, listen to this podcast, look forward to this bizarre experience because it, I find it quite strange. I, I'm still chewing on it. 
I wouldn't say I fully enjoy it at this point. It's more of a like, oh, this is such a weird experience for me. But I think ultimately it tells me as a music commentator and person that observes music so closely that perhaps you need even more time than even I promote with music to really get an understanding of the importance of a record. You know what I mean? Wow, that was a long little <laughs> exploration and rant. One other thing I've been thinking about is, and this is a fun little story about like my history and past, is that people ask me all the time, Derek, how do you know so much about music? How how do you come up with all these ideas for podcasts and such? And there is no simple answer for that besides the fact that I just think about this stuff all the time. But I recently realized this is a story I haven't told, which if, if I ever get the opportunity to be interviewed in a, like a, you know, biographic, biographic standpoint, I will definitely tell this story, which is I've been, I want, I've been thinking about the earliest memory of me doing what I do in this kind of vein. And one of them is definitely when I was 16, 17, when I was finishing up high school, I had a music class and we had to present as part of our um, end of year uh, graduation exams. I had to do a presentation on a particular area of music and I chose to do it on James Jameson, the Motown bass player who was a jazz double bass player originally that ended up picking up the electric bass and that was his day job. And how James Jameson's Jazz and double bass playing influenced his playing and therefore influenced Motown and therefore influenced the sound of pop music from there on out with influencing bass players like, for example, Paul McCartney and others. And when you look at that and you reflect upon it, you're like, oh, I've been thinking about this. I've been doing this. I have been existing in this world of thinking about how one thing leads to another, leads to another, points to another and ends up with a result that impacts more than one thing. So I think that's funny when people think, ask me about how do I come up with these things and and what's my research? It's like, well, I've been kind of thinking about the kind of interconnectedness of music since I was uh, young enough, you know, mid-teens at the, at the latest. So it kind of makes sense that I'm at this place in the world where I'm talking to you about Radiohead and how the, the totality of judgment... <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I had a really interesting question that someone asked me. Speaking of me talking to you guys, and they said this, did you ever feel why would people want to hear from me? And how did you get over that? I feel like this individual might be asking this question because they might want to be talking about music and they might feel like, who am I to talk about these things? And how did you come to that realization? And, and how can you kind of like the question asked, get over yourself to to express yourself. So I think the the, the benefit that I had of growing my platforms or, or of growing an audience or finding an audience is that I never planned to do it, which gave me a naivety and a sort of um, a lack of judgment 
for what I did. In saying that, if you know my story by now, I posted a video on TikTok and then people started asking me about my speakers and then people asked me, I started to ask me about what I listened to on it and I started talking about it that way. So I never, I never came at it from like, all right, I'm starting a TikTok to succeed about talking about music. So therefore, if I did, I would be like, I would be like, who am I to say this stuff? Who am I to think that I have some authority to talk about these things? And I would probably go, I'm not because there's journalists out there, there's people far more qualified. And so that would have been my undoing. Luckily, people ask about me as opposed to, you know, tell me about the Rolling Stones. I'm like, I couldn't do that. But they're like, tell me about what sounds good on your speakers. Oh, tell me about that song. Where did you get that song? And so I, be I became an expert in my own opinions, if that makes sense, as opposed to an expert in music history. So I think sometimes it does hit me where I'm like, how much do people want to hear from me? And I think if you haven't heard me talk about things like uh, really deep, you know, electronic music or, or house music or uh, certain types of hip hop, it's because I have a, a fan and shallow experience of it, but I don't have an expertise that I feel like I could really talk to. And like, let me tell you about uh, mid 2000s trap in the same way I could talk about Richie Sakamoto. I feel quite confident talking about him. I don't feel comfortable talking about that. And so I don't talk about those things because I'm very careful about not being an expert in everything and not pretending to know things that I don't which sometimes can make it harder because therefore I don't have as much to talk about if I just want to churn out content. But I think that is why people enjoy what I do because I'm not just pretending to be a know-it-all about all things. Or if I don't know about it, I'll learn about it. So I guess if I was to give you any advice, don't try to be an expert on everything. Just talk about what you love and that's people might want to hear about you and that because you have a unique perspective on it rather than being a music person that is an expert on all because we see that a lot and then that can come off really uh, egotistical and arrogant to feel like you can possess that space. You know, I, I'm the first to put up my hand and say, I don't know, I just have an opinion. So I hope you enjoy the thinking behind that. Hello, dropping in here. It's weird to redo my own ad reads. So it's just me on me bringing you the ad for this week, the sponsor of the pod, you know who it is, turntablelab.com, the one-stop shop, the home for all your audio device equipment needs for the beginner or audio enthusiast turntables records from the lab, which has over 100,000 records in store, speakers, accessories, everything you would ever need. I, I received an ad from them recently where they had this like... Um, replacement platter that you can get for your turntables it's like a translucent really cool I, I want it I want it I'll probably put that on my little selection of the store as well which is turntablelab.com forward slash Derek but you can go there you can also check out their four or more deal so buy four or more records from the lab you can take off 10% of that total purchase go check it out go support the people that support this podcast and it's all quality there too so you can't go wrong Thank you for sponsoring the pod Turntable Lab. Back to the episode. What is an artist I used to love now hate? That was a difficult question to answer because I don't think I hate 
many artists, and I think I, I can admire their sound as much as I might dislike the artist. For example, Kanye West. I haven't listened to him since the latest craziness uh, where he really went after it and went really dark with it. And before that, I would rave so much about Kanye West being like one of the best artists of all time and how he evolved so much and how he was able to adapt so much. I'm not saying I don't still believe that, but I don't. I, I find it hard to stomach and listen to his music. And this is that, like, I could obviously have a whole podcast on separating the artist and the art. And I think it depends on a whole bunch of factors, including what the artist did. And I don't think one should be judge and jury as to, like, whether they were convicted and tried and sentenced in, in court. I think that some artists are a lot easier for me to be like, no way never and other artists i can be like mm, i still enjoy their music which is a slippery slope i think but in kanye's case i can respect and admire what he's done but i just i don't i can't listen to the music with the same sort of yeah enjoyment level i can't just sit there and be like yeah i want to listen to yeezus from end to end because this is so unique i'm just like mm. yeah he's not he's not like the guy at the moment the only other artist I thought of, which is like more to do with the fan base than anything else, is Tame Impala. I quite like Tame Impala. It's not like my favorite artist or group, Kevin Parker, but I liked Inner Speaker and uh, the, the, those albums. I forget some of the names, but I think the fan base kind of holds up Kevin Parker to be kind of a bit of a god and that, that Tame Impala's like you know, the most iconic band. I don't know. I just feel like I, I experienced that too much. So I kind of have a bit of a distaste for the fan base. So it makes me listen to Tame Impala less, which is like, you know, hey, I'm a human. I'm impressionable. And uh, I still like Tame Impala. I just don't put it on very often. Let's talk about Hi-Fi for a second. What am I listening with at the moment? Who cares about that? Three people listening to this? I am currently using the Master and Dynamic MW75s. These are all gifted to me, I think. And this is not sponsored or anything. Those are really nice. When I wear my silver glasses, I can't wear them because they have this like ornament on the back of the uh, arm that pushes into my head. So I can't wear them, which sucks. And I think that's probably more to do with the glasses than to do with the headphones. I think that they're really pretty and they're comfortable and they've got lambskin and aluminium and not great for trap, I'll, I'll tell you that, but good for, you know, the more, um, the less deep sounding music, like dance music and such. I use my III TMA2s for DJing. Really comfortable. If you're going to get DJ headphones, get the uh, Comfort ear cups. I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, they have like the regular DJ ear cups, which are a lot smaller, but they just... <sighs> too tight on your head why would you want that comfort mode all the way i've got the comfort headband too maybe i'm too, that's why i'm not a club dj i'm too much of a comfort dj i've been uh, flipping between the uh nothing ear twos and the sony wf 1000 xm 5s and if you're looking for bluetooth earphones that aren't airpods i will say that the sony's are so technologically advanced I would say that they're too technologically advanced, whereby it bleeps and bloops and dings 
all the time because it tracks when you're moving, when you're walking, when you're commuting, when you're in a car or bus or train or whatever. And it's too much. <laughs> it's too smart. So it's like, oh, you're you're walking now. You're going for a walk. I'm going to turn on ambient listening so you don't get hit by a bus. And I'm like, no, I'm literally walking to the toilet. Relax. So there's this kind of weird tech going on that's like trying to do too much. They had this feature that have this feature that you can talk and it will turn on the microphone and pause the music. So if I'm talking to my wife and it will stop the music and I can hear the reply. But sometimes I'm just like sneezing. Sometimes I might be like, ah, uh, yes, please. I would like a coffee. Thank you. And then it will just pause it. And then it's like, oh man, could you just not be so smart sometimes? I think that the ear two from nothing is like the perfect balance where they just like, we just get out of the way. You'll put us in, you can turn it. You can turn on noise cancelling, you can turn it off yourself, you can press play, you can press forward and back, and that's it. Like, we don't know when you're walking and we don't need to know. And I think that being a bit primitive is a good thing. Let's talk about being a content creator. I think since I last did, well, did my first podcast, I've had to learn a lot about how to create things, how to... If you've listened, if you listen to the first episode of my podcast and now the audio has gotten a lot better because I know how to process it a lot better, which I didn't before. I got some sound absorbing panels so that my room is less echoey. And I I've I want to do a content creation like live stream or podcast, but I don't know who it's gonna help. But I think that it's it's not something I was experienced in prepared for and I still am fumbling through it and so recently I've been learning about lenses camera lenses and the different ones I might need for different situations which I just bought this camera and it came with this lens and I've been using it ever since and I'm like mm, this is what I look like apparently different lenses make you look different and <laughs> is something that when people might have the ambition to create content online they might not think about as much and uh, look, I haven't needed to know about it because clearly it's worked despite me not knowing about it, but it's a whole other field of expertise, editing, graphics, audio, sweetening and post-processing, you know, camera work, lighting, cameras, my camera overheats sometimes. It's just like, I don't know about these things. <laughs> Can someone uh, help me? I actually had to ask someone to help me with some stuff and they're going to be advising on what lights to get and stuff because you can watch everything online but it doesn't help like when you have a specific scenario you're after i also launched my patreon and launched my radio show which i think you've heard about i put out a little mini episode about that that's been really fun and the radio show has been really fun to kind of get me back in the groove of digging and finding new music quite actively and there's been a good response lots of great engagement on the podcast on the radio show which is great if you are a subscriber to the Substack, this is a bit of a, an, not announcement, update. Solid Air, the radio show, which was exclusive to Patreon, will also now be available for paying subscribers on Substack. Because to be honest, I thought Substack is a newsletter platform. Patreon is a creator-led platform. I'm launching it. And then people were saying, hey, do I get the radio show on the Substack if I pay for it? And I'm like, no. Whoops. <laughs> For no other reason, I wasn't trying to be greedy. I just hadn't really thought it through about like that there would be that kind of feeling. And I was like, yeah, damn, I've got two ways to sign up to content that I make, but you get different things on them. So parity, 
let's just put this radio show on Substack if you're a subscriber there. And yeah, if you want to support, you can enjoy that in a variety of different places. Yeah, I've been really enjoying that. It's been really fulfilling. As well as things I've been doing that I've been enjoying, I have an event series called All Together Now. It's a quarterly event series at the Ace Hotel in Sydney. And then after the first one, people like come to different places. And I was like, screw it. I'll do it in Melbourne next time. So I spent a good amount of time finding a venue in Melbourne and then uh, announcing that and then having tickets and looking for DJs. And the first time I did the All Together Now event, it was, hey, throw your song requests into a collaborative playlist and I'll DJ them. Turned out to be a bad idea because there were too many songs in there. And it was like, if I didn't know the song, then how was I meant to really judge if it was something worth playing until I was like, until I, unless I was critically assessing every single song uh, at length. So that was a, a nice concept, poorly, uh, but not a great one to execute. So for the round two, I said, hey, I want to support up and coming DJs. I might have the ability to perform and DJ in any particular setting. So submit your playlists. I want first time DJs, new DJs, DJs that don't just play like dance music. And there's a lot of this learning comes from naivety where I'm like, I do these things with such nice intent and then realize that I now have hundreds of playlists, hour long playlists in my inbox. And I have to listen to them all and reply to everyone and critically assess them all and then like define who might fit the night and then reply to them, confirm them, set the times, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, I'm just one guy. What have I done? I was very stressed in the month of August. That's for sure. Very stressed. Um, but at the same time, the, the DJs and the people there really enjoyed it. They felt like it was a really nice thing to be able to have that opportunity for people to... Uh, have a setting that they can DJ for the first time, which made me really, really, really happy. Despite being very stressed, I will think about it a different way. Next time, the Melbourne venue, quiet time in Melbourne. Sound systems all throughout the cafe. We did a coffee and cake edition, so it was from two to six. People came through. I welcomed everyone at the door, which was really fun. They have Klipsch Heresies. They have a radio station DJ booth there because there's an online radio station that hosts out of there. So it was like the perfect setting, had DJs playing there too. And it was just a rewarding way to uh, put on an event, but also meet you guys. And a bit easier to control than the Ace Hotel one, which is like an open to the public, walk in, no tickets. So you don't know who's going to turn up. Whereas in Melbourne, the tickets sold out in a day. And then I knew that people were going to turn up, which was really, really lovely. A lot of you have been asking, when are you coming to London? When are you coming to LA? When are you coming to Munich? When are you coming to everywhere? New York, etc. I, When I get the earliest opportunity I get to get over there, I will let you know when I will organize something. And I don't have a mailing list. I have a, I have a newsletter, but I don't know where any of you live. So that's a bit of a bummer. But I, it's just an expense thing when I live where I live and flying over there. I'd love to fly with my little family as well, which is more, even more expensive. But then I would love to drop in and then find a venue and then meet you guys and play music and enjoy music. It will happen. It will happen. But yeah, it's like if I was to go to London, it would be no cheaper than 10 grand, I would say, to fly over there, accommodation, maybe including the family and then also doing other things and then coordinating it all. So not to be boring about things, but 
um, I think when the time is right, maybe someone will book me for something and I'll get to go over, then I'll th throw something then. So it might just be like, I have no idea. And then next month I might be like, I'm coming to London type thing. So it's definitely something I want to do everywhere. And I think that people would show up for and, and doing these events has given me a lot more confidence that people will show up for. So that has been um, why I've been doing it to be honest. I announced the South by Southwest talk because they started um, the first South by Southwest outside of Austin is going to be happening in Sydney, October. So I'm doing a solo keynote talk about um, music and the internet, which will be fun. I haven't started writing it yet, so I need to start writing that, but I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, I think that that's the the activity that I've been up to at the moment and it, people ask me all the time, how do I do all this stuff? It's like, well, I don't know. When you decide to do it, you get it done. I also admit that I've got a lot of stuff out there now. Like I've got my social media video channels. I have my podcast. I have my radio show. I have my newsletter. Sometimes it can be a lot. Sometimes it might be too much. Maybe over time I'll need to pare back on something. Maybe I have to stop one or two of these things. But for the moment, I think that I have audiences in different places and you enjoy different things about me. So I, I, at the moment, I just want to continue and to build what I'm doing. But yeah, it probably is unsustainable long-term to do every single one, don't you think? Let me finish with this. I, What are other things I'm into? Because I, I, I people know I'm into music. People know I'm into, kind of into hi-fi in the sense that I like to own nice things, but then... I've been sent a lot of nice things. And if I wasn't sent nice things, I would still be using my uh, Powerbeats Pro earphones. So I'm not that sort of person that's actually chasing the dragon in a sense. But I would one day love to talk more about cars. I'm not an expert in it, like you're sure you can tell. But I do enjoy admiring and thinking about what car I'd buy if I was to buy them. I, I like any type of car, whether it's like, you know, JDM, Fast and the Furious style Japanese cars from the 2000s or like the latest BMW M5 or uh, a Toyota Century or the Toyota Alphard. Or I, I just nerd out about different cars and the innovations. Less Tesla, to be honest, but, you know, I love watching that sort of stuff. And I'd love to do an event where it was like coffee, cars and music. But I don't know what setting that would make sense, but that would be cool. I like cooking. I like cooking every weekend. I wouldn't say I am a cook that is fancy like that, but I like a good recipe and I, I would happily spend five hours putting together a really nice braise or slow cook or whatever. And obviously, you know what? I, you, like, I, you know I like coffee as well. Uh, and I have a nice espresso machine and... Sometimes you see the coffees in my videos. I like lots of tech as well as probably why I like the hi-fi stuff more is because of the tech stuff and more of a nerd around those sort of things. And probably why I can kind of pick up different uh, skills and cameras and audio sweetening and learn on the fly and kind of figure it out as I go. And one that people probably would be surprised to hear is that I like sport. I like sport. Uh, I guess I'm typical like that. I used to really be into the NBA until I realized after many, many seasons of watching that like 82 games just to get to the playoffs and then the real season starts where it's like 16 teams 
that get whittled down to one over like two and a half months. And then I was like, why do I care about all the other games if it's like not really that important? Obviously you want to get into the top 16, but it's like, it's such a long slog to even get to that point. So I realized that like following all the drama and the narratives around it was just too much for me to, it was too much for me to care about. So I started to walk away from that. I walked walk back from that. I became a F1 fan with a Netflix series, Drive to Survive. And follow that in so much as like I watch the race highlights and kind of listen to a podcast catching up on that week's race, but no more deeper than that because living in Australia, every single race seems to be at 4 a.m. So I never get the chance to to really enjoy it in real time except for like one or two races every year. But I like that. You know, sometimes I, I watch some football highlights and I don't know. I'm kind of a basic, like, general, oh, look at the, how well they scored that goal. Oh, look at Messi at Inter Milan. That's cool. Oh, look at that, you know. I love Alex Albon doing well at Williams and <laughs> things like that. But I feel like that's probably more surprising for my personal personality. I think when people hear that I'm into sport, they're like, you into sport? I think probably because people think I'm a snob <laughs> and they think that it's, it's too lowbrow for me or something. I love sport, but I don't. I, the only thing for me is like, what do I dedicate my time to? I'm not a fan fan of any sport or, or person that I'm like wearing the jerseys, going to the games or anything like that because I've just got other things in life to to prioritize. But there you go. There is a little catch up for you for this podcast. I just wanted to share where my life's at, what I've learned, what I've, what I've been doing and where my head, head's at. And to conclude... I've been doing a lot and I think that the growth of my content creation and channels and audience has only been going from strength to strength. And I think I'm very ambitious to turn this into something really real and tangible and to be impactful beyond TikTok or short form video. And as doing this, as I'm doing all these other things, I'm trying to find my pockets. And so hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully you get something out of it. Hopefully I can provide some value to you and hopefully, yeah, you stick around really. But that has been Derek G6 Volumes. That's me actually speaking a volume about myself, which feels unusual, but it won't happen all the time, but happens sometimes. Thank you for listening. Keep well as you listen to this, wherever you are. Drink more water, cook something nice for friends and loved ones, and I will talk to you in the next one. Bye.